You're listening to the On Call Thoughts podcast, where medical students talk about mental health, work-life balance, medical specialties, and much, much more. In this episode, Aaron and I will be interviewing a very respected colleague of ours, Captain Victor Pack. Victor enrolled in the Canadian Forces in 1996 as an Army Reserve Medical Assistant. In 1998, he attended the Royal Military College of Canada in Kingston, Ontario. He completed his Bachelor of Arts in Political Science and Economics in 2002 and his Master of Arts in War Studies in 2004. Thereafter, he served with the Royal Canadian Dragoons as an armor officer and occupied the positions of troop officer, training officer, and assistant adjutant. In 2005, Victor deployed to Afghanistan on Operation Athena Rotation 4 in Kabul and Operation Archer Rotation 0 in Kandahar as the duty and liaison officer for Reconnaissance Squadron. In 2008, he was assigned to Major General R.P.F. Bertrand as his staff officer during the Major General's tenure as the Chief of Staff to the Vice Chief of Defense Staff and subsequently as the Chief of Program. Victor underwent an occupational transfer to physiotherapy officer in 2009 and completed his studies at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. Following his licensing in 2011, He was employed as a physiotherapy officer at Canadian Forces Health Services Centre, Ottawa. He was subsequently posted to 11 Canadian Forces Health Services Centre in Shiloh, Manitoba from 2013 to 2018, and then to 21 Canadian Forces Health Services Centre in Comox from 2018 to 2019. Victor was accepted into the Doctor of Medicine program at the University of Ottawa in 2019 as a military medical training program candidate. He is presently in his second year of studies. Victor takes great pride in his family, which includes his spouse and four children. His personal interests include running, cycling, mountaineering, mixed martial arts, downhill skiing, and the piano. In 2010 and 2012, Victor won silver medal in the men's open marathon category during the Canadian Forces National Running Championships. He is proud to have completed the 117th Boston Marathon in April 2013. Welcome, Victor. So I think today we're going to start us off with uh, some lightning rounds, as we usually do. So we're just going to rapid fire a couple of questions and let us know your preference. So coffee versus tea. Huh. If I said neither, is that a is that a good answer? I guess it really well, depends. You're gonna coffee, have to elaborate on when that. When we have our exams, I know my wife prepares me some coffee to keep me awake. Okay. But typically speaking, neither. Okay, that's a, that, that's the first. We've never had that answer before. Hopefully, we keep it this way when we uh, you know as we our medical training goes down the road. Um, <laughs> do you prefer cats or dogs? Dogs. Okay, and do you have a dog at home? I used to have three dogs, actually. Okay. Had two Labrador Retrievers and a Boston Terrier. But uh, they have since passed. And okay. um, I, I don't want to say that I replaced them with my four kids. But, uh, they, <laughs> you know, they, uh, 
they, uh, they, they, they were with me during the very early years when I did not have kids. And it was, it was like taking care of kids. But uh, sure, yeah. they, were, they were my companions. They actually were more well-traveled than some Canadians because they were posted with me from Ottawa to Kingston, back to Ottawa to Manitoba and so forth. So they were well-traveled dogs. Oh. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. I have a tangent if that's okay. I, I, I recently saw a movie. I don't know if you guys... Do you guys ever watch Wes Anderson movies? I do not, Aaron. I have a recommendation. Sorry to interrupt, but Iowa of Dogs. It's a really cute stop-motion film. Anyways, <laughs> that's my tangent. All right, go ahead. Oh, yeah. So uh, next question is Ottawa in the summer or the winter? Summer or winter. You know what? So I always say, you know, in Ottawa, we have two seasons, right? It's winter and construction. So <laughs> I would say in Ottawa, I would have to pick winter because everything else is under construction during the other times of the year. That makes sense, yeah. And uh, lastly, as our, as our uh, students, do you prefer our, our small group learning in CBL or big lectures? I guess we haven't had big lectures in person in a while, but uh, when we did, did you have a preference? You know, that's a very interesting question. I think I would say both. I don't know okay. if that's a valid answer, if this is like a CDMQ where I can choose <laughs> two of two. But uh, I would say both because I, I guess being a more traditional person, I, I, I enjoy the didactic learning where, you know, you're sitting there listening to the expert. But at the same time, I understand the, you know, the value in um, learning as a group, learning on your own as well. And I think that's where the CBL comes in. And so actually, I, I like both. And I, I think this is just me my preference but i think the way we do it it works well for my learning style we have a combination of both the didactic learning through the lectures and then we have that you know small group self-directed uh, to a certain extent problem-based learning that we do in our cbl so i would have to for sure people. that's a good answer i like it we're getting some unique answers here victor um so next question we have here is what is your favorite hobby i would say it's running uh, but, it, you know, it's uh, running in the uh, summer, uh, sorry, spring, summer, fall. And then in the winter, it would be uh, downhill skiing. Okay, that makes sense that winter was also a, a preferred <laughs> season. Yeah. yeah. And For last reason. Yeah. And uh, lastly, Victor, do you have um, a favorite book or a TV recommendation? I know you're probably busy with, with kids, but it could be a, a child television uh, show as well. <laughs> You know what's funny? I, I was just talking to another parent and we were saying, uh, you know, ever since we became parents, the only thing we've watched are Pixar films, you know, okay. Up, Frozen. <laughs> and I can't recall the last time I actually watched a full adult film. But there is one thing that I do watch and uh, my kids sometimes watch with me and that's Chicago Med. Okay. Um, but, <laughs> you know, that, that's only very recently. I think when they were younger, I would say... For the past almost 10 years, it's been kids' films. So, you know, Disney, <laughs> uh, Pixar, all those things. Cars, Cars 1, Cars 2. I'm quite yeah. well-versed in that. So uh, I think uh, to answer your question right now, my, uh, my uh, I guess, TV series of choice would be Chicago Med. Great. <laughs> Another very appropriate uh, show <laughs> for, our, for med students. And uh, Okay, Victor, we're going to jump uh, straight into it and... Um, um, I know um, we've been classmates for for um, colleagues for um, more than a year now, but uh, uh, we were just wondering if you could describe for us um, why you decided to pursue a career in medicine and maybe a little bit about your journey to medical school. Right. So I think 
to answer that question, I have to take you back in time. Um, so I think my interest in health started uh, when I returned from Afghanistan uh, in 2005. Wow, okay. As you know, Afghanistan had its share of uh, injuries and fatalities, regrettably. For sure. And so yeah. uh, there was a competition uh, within the military for physiotherapy officers. Now, at that time, you know, I, I didn't know much about physical therapy. I knew if we had injuries, MSK injuries, uh, musculoskeletal injuries, we would go see the physical therapist. Mm -hmm. um, but beyond that, I didn't know. So I, I decided one day to just shadow in the afternoon a physical therapist on base. And I saw the power in rehab and getting people who were below knee or above knee amputees to run again, to walk again, and to do things that uh, were almost incomprehensible if they did not have a prosthetic limb or even the uh, uh, rehabilitative uh, facilities to do so. And so I would see single and double leg amputees, squat, jump, run. And I said, wow, that is just, that is powerful. Mm -hmm. And so that really intrigued me. And I, I applied and I was very blessed to have been sponsored by the military and uh, to have been accepted by Queens to uh, do my uh, Master of Science in Physical Therapy. And so that's where it started. And I practiced physical therapy for about a decade before applying for medicine. And I guess what um, led me to medicine was while I was practicing physical therapy, there were so many things that were outside the scope of physical therapy that were interesting to me. Now, this is not to say that physical therapy is not rewarding or wasn't for me. It's a very rewarding occupation. And I, I, sure. I still have uh, at huge admiration for all the physical therapists who continue to do what they do it's just i was i felt pulled by other things uh namely pharmacology uh diagnostic imaging and procedural skill and so i you know i grappled with the question at that time when i applied for medicine i was uh 39 years old soon to be 40 i'm like does a 40 year old man want to go back to school jump through hoops again and so i asked a question over and over and I had to uh, talk obviously to my spouse about it to my kids about it because this would change their lives too right we're going to move again for sure yeah and uh, the answer unanimously was you know I'll, I'll do my best to apply and if the door opens then we'll take it and I was very fortunate again to be blessed uh, with the opportunity to be sponsored by the military to go back to school to become a medical doctor and to be accepted uh, at U of Ottawa uh, University of Ottawa as one of its students so that's how I ended up where I am now. That's a very, uh, very humbling and very uh, inspiring story for all of us. And um, I know uh, particularly for many of our, my classmates and I, you know, in our uh, uh, MSK unit, we're just even throughout the year, you know, every um, sometimes one of us would have a little fall or tweak something. Victor would always have, uh, you know, an exercise or, or some sort of um, um examination that would help us and it was always I, I remember yeah when I went to Victor for some for some uh, advice as well so it's it's um, it's it's been great to have have you as a colleague with uh, with um, that background and um, I'll hand thank it over you. to to Aaron now yeah for sure thank you so much uh, Victor for sharing that and yeah just to echo Yu Chen's words it, it, it seemed like whenever someone tore their ACL or <laughs> injured themselves we had Victor so Thanks for thanks for giving us that service. I, think, I don't know if you... I think you're, uh, you're uh, well. Thanks for your kind words. Uh, yeah, but I, I did what I could. Um, you know, it's uh, if I can help. I guess some philosophy, and that's why we are all where we are now. It's if we can help, we'll do our best to help, right? So for sure. Whether that is you know offering your opinion or even helping someone open the door or so forth. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Okay. 
So I think the the next question we have is, um, you know, we, we intend to release this episode uh, on Remembrance Day. So if you're, if it's okay with you, we would we we'd be uh, it, it, we we want to hear your experience. If you could describe your experience going through uh, the Canadian Armed Forces and how you got and how did you get there? So I guess you're asking like what brought me to the military. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Yeah, so I think as a young boy, I, I always had an, you know, a fascination with tanks and paratroopers. Those were the two, right? And so, you know, jumping out of planes and rolling around in tanks, I thought that was really cool. Um, so right from the get-go, it, it's very interesting. This is how it started. Uh, when I was 16, I uh, wanted to apply for the Army Reserves. And when I went to the recruiter, I said, I want to be infantry, armor, artillery, right? Those are the three combat three combat arms okay. uh, within the Canadian forces. But unfortunately, at that time, they said, uh, well, uh, you wear glasses and you don't satisfy the vision category. Mm. So that was a real letdown. So I said, well, what brings me closest to the infantry? They said, well, you know, if you want to be a medic, you can always tag along with the infantry or any combat arm. So I said, sign me up to be a medic. So I uh, started my training as a medical assistant and uh, I enjoyed it very much. But there was a part of me that, you know, I really wanted to do the combat arm stuff and it so happened again timing is everything they relaxed the standards in terms of vision category so two years later when I finished secondary school uh, I was eligible to apply to be someone uh, a service member in the combat arms so when I was 18 when I completed high school I actually joined the military I did a component transfer from the reserves to the regular force and then I uh, and I applied to be an armor officer so essentially this was a tank officer and so I was very Always happy. a childhood so, dream. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so uh, there, there's more to it. So uh, I applied uh, to be an armor officer. I was accepted as an armor officer. I went to the Royal Military College where I did a Bachelor of Arts in uh, Political Science. And then I followed that with a Master of Science in War Studies. And then I began my service as an armor officer. Now, here's the uh, interesting thing. Uh, timing, again, is everything. When I got to the unit, uh, my unit was the Royal Canadian Dragoons. At that time, um, they actually decided to uh, re-roll uh, re many of the units where the Royal Canadian Dragoons was no longer a tank unit, but an armor reconnaissance unit. Okay. But that was okay. It's still uh, in an armor vehicle, and I enjoyed my experience. And uh, like I mentioned, I deployed overseas uh, with the Royal Canadian Dragoons. And when I came back, that's when the previous story I told you about you know, seeing soldiers injured being rehabilitated led me to pursue physical therapy. Wow, what a journey. That's uh, very inspiring, very, very um, unique, I guess, in our, in our, um, in our usual uh, class for sure. And uh, I guess um, when I was little, I wanted to be a pilot and my mom would always say, you need to keep your eyes good. And I, I, I thought she was always just, you know, tricking me, but it's true. I guess you need, <laughs> you, there's a certain, uh, um, uh, criteria for these um, for these uh, for these jobs for sure. Yeah, you're absolutely right about the pilot. You, you, you Chen, you should. Uh, it, it's funny because um, for pilots, if you to be a military pilot, yes, you have to have. Uh, there's a certain vision category, but for a civilian pilot, uh, I think it's a bit more relaxed. I often was asked because I have a fascination for flight as well. If uh, you know my eyes were perfect, would I be a pilot? Oh, I don't know. Maybe I might not be here today, but uh, I guess that's <laughs> another life, right? <laughs> Okay, all right, um, and just a lot, yeah, elaborating on Aaron's question about uh, your experience in the um, uh, in the unit in the Canadian Armed Forces, we were just wondering 
maybe a little bit down the road, you know, um, uh, as a trained physician, um, what are some of the um, roles and responsibilities uh, as a physician in the military or a medical officer? Yeah, so there is, I guess, to look at it uh, at a very basic level, there's two types of medical officers. So there's what they call the GDM or general duty medical officers, and then you have specialists. So the GDMO or the GD uh, general duty medical officer is essentially your primary care physician. So that's a family uh, family doctor. Okay. And they will work in a variety of environments. It could be at sea, it could be on base, uh, be it an army, air force, or navy base, or it could be in the field. Right. So the environment is very. Uh, it's it's varied, and I guess that's a uh, part of the appeal that. Unless you elect to do the same thing every day, there's the opportunity to do very interesting things um, uh, as a physician. So at, at the basic level, um, the general duty medical officer, like I mentioned, is your primary care physician. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the practice in the military, I should mention, uh, could be considered to be somewhat narrow in that you know uh, the military, you will not likely have someone with COPD or emphysema. Okay. Uh, typically, it's males aged 18 to 55. Very few women. I shouldn't say none, but there's few women. So, mm-hmm. uh, And the predominant pathologies we will see is either MSK or mental health, right, at the primary care level. Okay. And so there is, a, there is the missing scope of practice in terms of pediatrics and also geriatrics, women's health. That, uh, that is a limiting factor. Having said that, though, you know, if, if you really like uh, primary care and you, you, you love sports, for, for example, like sports medicine, uh, the military provides a very good opportunity for that. Like I mentioned, a lot of the pathologies that will be seen are MSK, mm-hmm. that makes sense, and also mental health. So I, I hope that answers your question. Uh, there are yeah, also sure. other uh, advancements, or I should say specialty training that a general duty medical officer can do. Uh, for instance, dive medicine, uh, aerospace medicine, okay. uh, tropical medicine, and so forth. And uh, those are uh, things that, uh, you know, if, if it interests a general duty medical officer, they can uh, pursue that. So I have often been asked, what do I want to do? And, you know, I, I would love to tell you I want to take this road and follow this uh, path. But what I've learned in life is that nothing ever turns out the way you plan. <laughs> so, you know... Uh, there's a possibility also for any general duty medical officer that after uh, you know X number of years of service, they can apply for specialty training. And the specialty training is somewhat limited, but normally they allow for specialization in emergency medicine, general surgery, orthopedic surgery, anesthesiology, internal med, psychi- psychiatry, radiology, and uh, physiatry. Okay. So those are additional specialty trainings. But like I said, uh, I'm what, 41? years old now by the time I finish uh, residency I think I'm going to be 46 do my five years in the military I'll be 51 and so I, I joked with a few of our colleagues that if I applied for another specialty I'll be coming to school with a walker and I'll probably be used as one oh, of the no. cases right no. that's not true <laughs> <laughs> but I, I shouldn't say that but uh, no it's uh, I, I don't know uh, you never know it, it, maybe after a few years of practice I develop a, a, a strong interest in Let's say psychiatry, right? Like I mentioned, mental health is a large component of For the sure, practice yeah. of a primary care physician. So maybe I'll go into psychiatry or it could be physiatry with my background in physical therapy. You never know. 
For sure. And I guess just as a follow-up, I guess it's more uh, just curious um, uh, um, if there, I guess, wasn't um, time and uh, wasn't so much of a factor. Was there uh, something in uh, medical so, so far, medical school so far that has piqued your interest or something you're drawn to? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's funny. I, in family medicine, I think I would still do. Okay. Uh, and here's, the, here's one of the reasons why, you know, I, we have moved around. We being my family and I have mm-hmm. moved around Canada a lot. So we've, like I mentioned, Ottawa, Kingston, back to Ottawa, to Shiloh, Manitoba, to Comox, British Columbia was our last posting. Okay. And we were very fortunate every time to have, you know, had the opportunity to find a family physician, uh, especially when you have kids. That's, you know, it's a, it's a lifesaver. But I know that there are many uh, Canadians out there who do not have a primary care physician. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's 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 troubling, right? So you know what's what 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 option do they have? Well, they either go to a walk-in clinic or they go to the eMERGE, and sometimes they're lost to follow-up, right? And that's the most dangerous thing in my mind to have a patient lost to follow-up. So I think even if I were younger, I would uh, I would probably still pursue family med, um, and perhaps I would look at uh, a plus one. Uh, yeah. I would still okay. probably consider a plus one at this stage. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but. I think it would. I still feel that the need is in primary care. For so sure, I'd probably yeah. do my best to fulfill that need. It's a great answer. Yep, agreed. Um, so I guess the next question we'd like to ask, and you alluded to this before, about transitioning from, uh, you know, Canadian Armed Forces as well as physiotherapy to medical school. I was wondering if you could uh, speak about this more, both the transition for you and your family, and for you personally. Uh, to when I joined the Canadian Forces, or from when you went, uh, what? For, yeah, from when you went into medical school. Okay, uh, I think the the kids, I should say, the kids are used to being posted, right? Uh, so they've moved around a lot. So you know, going to a new home is almost like an exciting adventure. That's uh, <laughs> to be expected. Uh, I think the transition uh, for me uh, wasn't that bad, and I, I like school. I think that's probably the first. I really like school. Um, and so I enjoy learning. So I've been back mm-hmm. to school so many times and I don't mind it. I, I just, I just like to fill my head with stuff. <laughs> and, but I think the hardest, and I'll be honest with you is, um, after 10 years of practice as a physical therapist, you, or any trade, it could be nurse, it could be a, a carpenter, you build up a certain traction, a certain degree of traction and, uh, um, I guess respect, you know, it's like your, your, your street credit, right? You, yeah. you know, people know, oh. <laughs> This is Victor Pack. He was a physical therapist. He can do this. And then when you go back to school, you start back at the bottom. So when I say your bottom, you know, you're new at it. You're newbie. You, you know, you have to rebuild that, uh, that, uh, that traction or that respect. And it was uh, funny. I was talking to one of our colleagues and I said, you know, one of the things I really miss was having my own office and having my own bathroom. And, you know, those are the little things that wow, you know, when, okay. you, when you go from um, having uh, a certain position within an organization and now you're starting back at the bottom is uh, it, it's humbling right and the transition yeah. is challenging um, but you know it's it's nobody put a gun to my head and said you got to go back to medical school I chose this myself so I, I know that when I change trades you have to start back at the bottom and you have to build yourself back mm-hmm. up but I think the transition you know being from uh, a position of almost authority uh, to being a learner it's challenging for sure, and I guess we can relate a little bit in our in our medical training. That's you know we we just a year ago we started as first year students, and then next year we'll sort of be clerks, and then you kind of 
as you graduate, just as you graduate medical school, you kind of start again as a first year resident, and then you know, <laughs> and then you get maybe a first year、uh, fellow or something. You know, it's、uh, there's going to be, I guess, a few of these、um, newbie experiences along the、right. way. Yeah, but you know, like I said, it's、uh, it, it is humbling. But if you if you go in with the right mentality, and the mentality being,、mm-hmm. you know, I I made this I made the switch. I understand that I I know very little about medicine,、uh, and I and I have very little experience、uh, from you know from a medical point of view. Then yeah, then you you your perspective is set right. Whereas if you if you come in saying you know I've done this, I've done that, you know, this is who I am, then you 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 are gonna fall. You know what I mean? Yeah, for yeah, sure. For sure. It sounds like、uh, just to summarize, it sounds like it really it was a curiosity, which is having that open mindset, as well as like acknowledging that you know you're choosing your struggles, and this is like something that you really love doing, and that's what helped you out. Would you agree with that, Victor? That's that's hundred percent. Yeah, that's exactly it. And I guess、uh, Victor, just out of a curiosity between Aaron and I, I think we're all wondering:、um, as you juggle medical school, do you still have like concurrent、uh, military duties at the same time, like during summers or something, or、uh, you know, is it just sort of because medical school? I think is a lot to just even focus on by itself. But、uh, do you have any duties or responsibilities while you're in school as as、uh, as as being part of the military? No, and so I'm very fortunate for that.、Uh, the, okay, we have a un. So when we are in school, we get posted to what they call a ULO, University Liaison Offices. Okay, office. and essentially that is your unit to which you belong, and、okay. they're actually very good in terms of leaving us alone and doing what we need to do. And so long as we keep them informed of what we're doing,、uh, they're satisfied. So, for example, the traditional way that U of Ottawa. Medical students in the military have done it. Is that you attend school during the、uh, year, so September all the way through to、uh, May, and then during the period of June, July, August, you have to take your leave. So you have leave that you have to、uh, use up, and so that's、okay. about maybe three, four weeks. And then the rest you fill with clinical electives, and that those are the electives that were canceled on us because of COVID, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.、Uh, regrettably. And, and so that is normally how、uh, a medical student sponsored by the military would handle their year. Okay. So, uh, for, uh, unfortunately, as you know, uh, uh, we our clinical electives were canceled. I was able to、uh, complete a military course online、okay. during the summer. So, as long as, like I said, as long as you're doing something、uh, that is、uh, beneficial, they are pretty supportive of it. Okay. Cool. And I guess this question is a little bit down the road, but. How exactly does the the matching or the the I don't know if there's a CARMS process after you're done medical school. How 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 exactly would that work? I have to match just like everyone else. So yeah,、uh, yeah, I would I would apply for a family medicine residency. Having said that, I I believe and you 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 might not want to quote me on this, but I believe to the best of my knowledge, the military does have certain uh, seats. Uh, I shouldn't say seats. I guess spots in residency reserved for. Uh, MOTP or MMTP candidates, and、mm-hmm. MOTP is essentially Medical Officer Training Plan, and、uh, MMTP is Military Medical Training Plan, and I think they do have、uh, spots or seats reserved, but I'm not 100% sure. I was told in the past you pretty much have to match like everyone else to family med.、Hmm. Okay. All right.、Um, I guess just transitioning a little bit、um, now that we are in our midway through our.、Uh, Second year of our medical school, we were just wondering what are some of your highlights of、um, the experience so far in medical school. Highlights, huh? You know, you know what's very interesting. 
you know what I would say one of my highlights is is <laughs> is whenever I set up the PowerPoint presentation as a ca- class greeter. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, in front of the now, I'll tell you why. Here's the interesting thing. Um, it, it was essentially it was a task, right? Like you know, I was told you know you have to set this up, make sure mm-hmm. the audio works. And one of the things I took for granted uh, was the fact that every time I stood up front uh, to set up the uh, presentation and the audio, I would actually have a glimpse of the entire class. And I never okay. actually took the time to look from left to right, all the faces uh, of our classmates. And that's one thing I regret. I think one thing I realized because of what has happened to our uh, training because of COVID mm-hmm. is the fact that I, I took the uh, social interaction for granted. And if I were to go back in time, I would probably take the time every time I set up a PowerPoint presentation to look up and just to make contact with a few of our colleagues. Just because I know now I can't. And, you know, the assumption that, yeah, we have four years to get to know each other. Well, actually, we don't. We now have it could be three or it could be even two because I don't know how next the next few years will pan out. But I think uh, what to answer one of the highlights I've had, like personal highlights, not a, it's not a, like a, you know, pomp and circumstance highlight, but was mm-hmm. the fact that I had the opportunity to look at my peers and to see them face to face. And I wish I just took more time to do that. Uh, yeah. So I, I know that doesn't answer your question directly. No, I think that's, uh, yeah. I think that's very, uh, very thoughtful and, and yeah. very uh, very nice highlights. I think um, very touching. I know the whole class is always very grateful, and I think especially the the students that don't make it to class are particularly grateful that uh, you you set up the audio and uh, and the PowerPoint so they have a recording um, if they missed anything. But uh, maybe tomorrow for our lectures, we'll all turn on our camera and uh, and wave to Victor <laughs> when he's helping us set up. And then we'll crash. The, uh, we'll crash. That's the right. Yeah, not enough bandwidth for our lecture. Um, and I guess just um, uh, taking on to that question, um, of course, uh, the University of Ottawa pre-clerkship has gone mostly um, to virtual learning. Um, we're, it's obviously affected all of us in different ways, and um, we were wondering how virtual learning during the pandemic has affected you as both, I guess, a medical student and a parent with many uh, responsibilities as well. Yeah, I think I can uh, definitely comment about that. So when we first went virtual after uh, reading week, if you remember from last year, mm-hmm. uh, everyone went virtual. So that's my kids as well. So I have four kids. Uh, they're ages 10, 9, 8, and 3. Wow, okay. And as you can imagine, having three kids doing virtual learning at home plus a dad <laughs> doing virtual learning just was chaotic. So, you know, the, the, we, we had enough computers that we could uh, make it work, but just the noise, the distraction, you know, uh, you know, you, you want to be there to help your your kids, right? Because the expectation was somewhat that the parents would help their kids. You know, the teachers can do everything. Yeah. They were learning, yeah. the you know, how to uh, transition to this uh, new way of learning too. So, you know, teaching myself nephrology at the same time, you know, wow. uh, <laughs> helping my kids with their, you know, fractions, what not, was geography, it was challenging. And so yeah. I, I was really concerned. Uh, so I was happy that everything worked out at the very end. Um, but coming back to this fall, uh, they opened up the schools again. So my, mm-hmm. my spouse and I said, hey, there's no debate. They're going, <laughs> they're going to school in person. 
And they, they, they welcome that, they being the kids, because they also lacked that social interaction that I was yeah, telling you sure. about earlier. So it was challenging to transition to this virtual learning, especially at first. But I think I have come to ad- adapt to it. Mind you, there are, there are certain advantages to this virtual learning. Uh, from, a, from a logistics perspective, I'm no longer commuting. So, you know, that yeah. half an hour commute saved there and back is essentially an hour every day. And that, that hour is actually appreciated in terms of additional study or to help my uh, spouse help the kids get ready mm-hmm. for school. And so, you know, there is a there is a plus and a minus to it. You know, there is um, it, it's challenging to ask questions sometimes, you know, sometimes after certain lectures, I have a million questions that I want to ask. In the past, we used to just go up to yeah. the lecture afterwards because you don't want to be the, you know, the, that student that just keeps asking questions incessantly. But now that we don't have that opportunity, um, you know, uh, we default to other means to ask questions, to be an email. So mm-hmm. I think long story made short, um, it has had both uh, a positive and negative impact on my learning. But just like everything else, we have to make do with what we have and make the best out of it. Right. So, yeah, for sure. I think that's uh, that's a great summary of um, the experience for, for many, many students are going through during the pandemic, although I definitely, I guess I don't have an excuse being distracted by my phone anymore during virtual <laughs> classes, Victor's, you know, also teaching fractions and geography to four <laughs> kids at the same time. So I don't know what to say about that. But uh. Yeah, you know, and I, one, one other thing, um, one of the, some people ask, like, how do you study? And one of the things that actually helped me study during when we first started was my kids extracurriculars. So you'd be like, what? How does that work? Well, when my kids were at their swim practice for like two to three hours, or when my daughter was mm-hmm. at her dance, I would essentially uh, go in a corner, turn on my computer, and study for two to three hours straight, right? Wow. So that was, there was no diaper changes, no garbage to be taken out, no recycling to whatever, sort out. It was essentially me studying for two to three hours. When they canceled all the extracurriculars, uh, as I Ooh. mentioned during that March, this past March, yeah. and everyone was home, at home, there was nothing to do. You have to, you know, keep your kids entertained. You know, keeping four kids entertained is challenging. Oh, yeah. Without extracurriculars, it became a real challenge. Uh, thankfully, you know, everything has kind of gone back to way, the way it was. The kids are swimming again. The daughter's dancing. There's music. Okay, great. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, um, I, I still have that opportunity to study uh, some time to myself. And so it's, it, it's worked out. Mm-hmm. And like I said, we adapt to uh, the situation. No choice. Yeah, I guess I guess the trick is to sign your kids up for every every activity possible on the weekend, and drink, so we can get some studying in. Yeah, that's 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 pretty much it. Victor, maybe you could start an interest group at our school to look after your kids. <laughs> I know I'm that joking. during the pandemic, uh, they did reach out to a few medical students to. Uh, uh, that's right. I think I yeah. solicit their help with child minding, uh, you know, babysitting, because there was quite that's a few nice. clinicians who you know had to put. <clears throat> put in extra hours or put in extra time so yeah maybe <laughs> um so yeah i think that's a great transition to our, our next subject topic we, we like to talk about resilience as well as coping with uh, challenges and tribulations here so the question that i have for you is how exactly do you look after your mental health as well as your uh, wellness during medical school i know you mentioned you have a lot of things going on so we're really looking forward to hearing what you say to this yeah, I think uh, for me, maintaining a routine is probably uh, what helps me the most. I guess being uh, being in the military, we learn about regimentation, right? Everything mm-hmm. is regimented. So 
being in the military, uh, you, you do things a certain way and you kind of repeat it. So keeping things on track as opposed to, you know, one day's, every day is different. That doesn't work for me. So I, I, I guess the fact that I try to maintain a routine helps. As part of that routine, uh, I make it an effort that every day I spend one hour doing physical training. Uh, and okay, that that's normally yeah. is, uh, it could be, uh, it's normally an all, uh, there's two things I do and that's running and interval training. Okay. So, wow. You know, I, I make sure I do that. And that, you know, I, I think for me, that is a mental break in and of itself. And I feel better afterwards. I feel for sure. energized. Yeah. I, we can talk about all the, you know, neurophysiological responses because of exercise. That's right. I don't think that's the purpose of the question. <laughs> um, <clears throat> essentially, I, <clears throat> pardon me, I, 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 I we like tangents here. Physically so. healthy. I'm sorry. What's that? I was just gonna say we like tangents here, so it's okay. Like t- <laughs> yeah. So I, 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 I stay uh, as fit as I can, and I think one of the other things. Uh, so I, like I said, a regimentation is number one. Number two is physical training. Number three, I think I'm very fortunate to have the support of uh, my family. So I've got a very mm-hmm. supportive spouse who does. She's the linchpin. I always say she's a linchpin of our family mm-hmm. and she does like 99% of everything at home. And I'm very supportive of that. And even my kids, they understand that, you know, dad has an exam, dad has to study and we'll support him. So I'm very fortunate wow. in that regard. Mm-hmm. That's really, it's really something. Um, just, uh, I think going back, so it, it sounds really like habits. It's really important for what, what's keeping you going, right? Is that fair to say? I think so. Yeah. They always say we're creatures of habit. Uh, yeah, I think that's very true. You know, you can see like when, a very simple thing, like just transitioning to online learning. It caused a lot of uh, angst. And uh, sure. I, I will be honest, I was I was one of the people like, oh, how is this? Uh, how is this going to work? And because it breaks your uh, it, it breaks that traditional, you know, I, I park at a certain spot. I go to school a certain a, a, a certain route. For sure. Um, yeah. But habit does help. And I think uh, in times, uncertain times like this, um, like these. I think the uh, the routine or the regimentation uh, it keeps things going, and I think mm-hmm. I, I remember uh, hearing uh, this is in Chicago Med. Okay, <laughs> we're saying uh, one of the episodes of Chicago Med was a mass casualty situation, and uh, Dr. Choi, uh, speaking to I guess the uh, clinical services manager, said, you know, at times like this, or you know, when there was I think it was a it was a passing of one of their uh, their colleagues at times like this, getting back on the wheel. Uh, getting back to doing what you're doing uh, helps. And I think for, like, to answer your question, Aaron, yeah, I think being regimented is one of the matters that I personally uh, tackle uh, uh, stress and keep my keep myself uh, healthy from uh, both a mental and physical perspective. Wow. And I got to ask you this question because you, you brought up routine and habits, but uh, have you had the chance to read the book Atomic Habits or have you heard of that book? No, I have James not. Atomic Quinn. Habit? Is that what you said? Yeah, Atomic Habits. is one of the books they have on like routines and habits. Okay. But yeah, I don't think you need to check it out. I, I probably should read it again, but that's awesome. Um, all right. So I think this the next question is also kind of in the same line. And you also were talking about this as well. And the question is, uh, what, what strategies do you utilize um, to cope with challenges uh, and perhaps failures in, in life and school? Hmm. Yeah, so I guess, yeah, like I mentioned, one of the strategies, anytime there's any uh, any additional stress in my life, I, 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 I try to keep things as regimented as possible. Um, in terms of dealing with uh, failures, uh, I'm, 
fortunate that I uh, have the support of uh, my family. I think my spouse has been extremely um, crucial in pushing me through many things, uh, be it postings, be it school, exams. Mm -hmm. So I, I think long story made short, I draw upon the people uh, closest to me to help support me or to push me through. And I think um, one of the things that really helps is to have that, uh, I guess, that bond with someone. Because I think at the end of the day, we're all social creatures. Mm -hmm. And that person from whom you can draw from, uh, be it solicit their opinion, uh, have them physically help you. Uh, that is one of the ways that I cope with uh, challenges um, in my life. Yeah, sounds like um, I think we can all agree that uh, um, having a support network is uh, it's very important to um, to to our as medical students going through you know all the uh, ups and downs that uh, we have in our lives. Um, what you said about uh, you know having to do your exams and then uh, going a little bit back, I am um, doing your exams and and your kids understanding kind of reminds me of. Um, uh, Roger Federer, who's, who's obviously a great tennis player with also four kids, uh, and he's approaching his 40s, and he would say that, you know, uh, the day before his Wimbledon final or something, you know, he would still have to go and, uh, and tuck in his kids and make sure, you know, and do, you know, he, he is a dad before he's a tennis player. So that sort of reminded me of, uh, what he said in one of his interviews. And, and then, of course, he also said, you know, his wife was, um, you know, behind a lot of his, his success and always there for him to, uh, to, to help him out in, in his journey. So that's very inspiring to hear, uh, Victor. Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth in what, uh, what you just said. And uh, I think uh, no person can do it alone. Mm -hmm. uh, you, whether or not you're single or uh, sorry, whether or not you're married or you can be single, that it's, you know, it, we, we are uh, social creatures. And I think it, it, behoo it behooves uh, anyone to draw uh, the support from their peers, family, friends. And I think that's why at a time like this where we're isolated from each other, it is very challenging. And I think we have to keep that in mind that there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of angst out there and there's a lot of, uh, uh, there, as we know, there's a lot of mental health issues that have, mm -hmm. um, that have come to the fore as a result of our pandemic. Sure. I think that resonates with a, a lot of people right now. Thank you so much, Victor, for sharing that. Um, so Victor, we are of course recording this episode Leading up to Remembrance Day and um, the whole team from On Call Thoughts um, uh, are, uh, want, want to pay our respect and, and honor those that have served and are serving um, in, in, uh, for our nation and in the military or the Air Force or the, um, the Canadian Forces. And um, that includes you, of course. And uh, we just wanted to know what uh, Remembrance Day coming up means to you and your family. Yeah, so I think... Every Remembrance Day, I'm, rem rem I'm reminded of uh, uh, two things. Uh, the first, all the Canadians who have passed. Uh, and I always bring, I always tell my kids that, you know, if it wasn't because of those who passed, we might not be enjoying the freedoms that we are enjoying uh, today. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's because of those sacrifices that we live in a free society. So never, ever take that for granted. Uh, having deployed overseas and knowing uh, ser uh, several service members who did not come back, I, uh, I'm always reminded of them at, uh, at this time. Uh, not that I don't think of them during the year. It's just mm -hmm. at this time, I'm always, uh, I'm always, 
I, I make a point, especially to my kids that, you know, there are service members, people that I know that never came back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can imagine that if, say, I didn't come back, the sorrow that you would feel, you know, the, the void. And so be, being aware of the people who have made the ultimate sacrifice is very important. The other thing that I have always um, thought about is I, 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 I think this is uh, something that my parents um, brought to my attention. And you, Chin, you and I share uh, an Asian uh, background. Yeah. Is that, you know, uh, it wasn't very long ago that, <clears throat> you know, Chinese Canadians, or I should just say Chinese in Canada, were given the vote. Uh, yeah. During the Second World War, there was a group of uh, uh, Chinese Canadians, I should say, who, uh, who fought uh, to win the right to vote. Mm-hmm. So the... Um, these Chinese Canadians who fought during the Second World War in support of gaining the right to vote, uh, they paved the way for a new era of thinking that, in my mind, extended certain basic human rights that should have been extended to everyone, uh, to visible and visible minorities, and not only just for the Asiatic population, but for all people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm reminded of the sacrifices that Canadians made and also the uh, sacrifices that uh, Canadian Asians made um, to give everyone a better life. And uh, this is something that, like I said, I, I highlight to my kids. And, you know, I, it's, I guess being in the 21st century, I, I teach my kids we don't judge anyone from the mm-hmm. ba- uh, you know, based on the color of their skin, their height, their weight, uh, or their sex or gender. We judge them for who they are. And, uh, you know, but remembering that it wasn't too far back World War II at 60, 70 years-ish mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, we were not able to vote and uh, something so simple as being, I shouldn't say simple, but something so simple as being able to vote um, was denied to us. And so I guess this leads to another point when I tell my kids that whenever you have the chance to vote, you take it because you've earned it. And if not, you have earned it. Someone has earned it for you. For sure. Yeah, that's a very... Um... It's a very inspiring answer, and um, and what you brought up about um, sort of, we should be proud of you know Canada's um, diversity now, and uh, and our um, but always remember that there you know there were people um, before that uh, that allowed this to happen, and uh, and sort of paved the way for for um, you know new families coming into Canada today, and uh, that's very very nice to hear, Victor. Yep, for sure. Thank you. Just. Thank you so much for for sharing that, and and you know we're, we're we're really grateful to have you on the show here, and and to to have you be able to share that with with our audience as well. And um, yeah, I appreciate uh, I think, that. Yeah. Uh, so Victor, I think the the next thing we want to ask you is, um, I think I think we want to know, you know, during the pandemic, what what would be the best way for us to pay our respects on Rem- Remembrance Day? Yeah, and that's a very good question because my wife and I were, my, my spouse and I were also uh, uh, saying, you know, now that, you know, with social distancing, are they having Remembrance Day ceremonies? And uh, mm-hmm. I, I think it's, uh, it's, it's, it's scaled back in terms of, you know, the number of people who can attend. We would always make it a point that we will go um, and support uh, whatever Remembrance Day ceremony was in the local community. Uh, this year, obviously, it's different. They're discouraging, you know, social gatherings. I think the least that anyone can do, and we did this last year as a, 
as a class was to take one or two minutes at the 11th hour on the 11th day of the 11th month to stop what you're doing and just remember. Uh, it could be remembering the soldiers who had passed, remembering a family member who mm -hmm. has passed, uh, remembering a service member who's passed, or like we mentioned, remembering people who uh, fought to make life better for others. And just remembering that, I think, would, would, would be uh, a good way to pay respects uh, to those who have passed for sure this is definitely um, a very different year for us and you know whether I, I remember when I was little we would have um, maybe those uh, uh, school assemblies and the ceremonies to to honor our um, our th those that have served and I was also very lucky to actually be in Ottawa for the the centennial when uh, in 2018 when they uh, had a big ceremony in front of the the war memorial in Ottawa which was very um, a, a great experience to learn from and see. And uh, this year, I think, of course, our class will hopefully do um, a, a moment of silence for, for everyone that served for us. Yeah, and, and it's, uh, just one thing else. I remember, um, you know, my kids being young, you know, kids complain. Uh, that's what yeah, they do. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, some of the, you know, Remembrance Day happens in November. And certain places, i.e. Manitoba, it can be very cold in November. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been to the prairies, but when the wind blows, it blows. Mm. So we attended a Remembrance Day ceremony. And it was uh, held outside. And it was cold. And uh, I, uh, the kids, uh, my kids were, you know, cold. And they, they wanted to go back inside. And I remember saying to them, hey, listen, um, if you think you're cold, you're standing here for no more than an hour. If you can imagine all the soldiers uh, who had to fight through winters, uh, uh, be it World War One or World War Two, mm -hmm. uh, without sometimes uh, any certainty of re being resupplied. Uh, imagine what they had to go through, and if you, uh, at the very least, you should endure this one hour of cold weather. And so, you know, I, I think we often ha not having fought a total war, total war being you know the entire mobilization of countries and uh, uh, so forth. We haven't fought a total war since uh, World War Two. Uh, it's difficult uh, for children nowadays to understand, um, you know, the hardships of war. We uh, do everything to make, you know, our children's lives easy. And uh, mm -hmm. I, I can personally attest to that. We don't want them to suffer. We don't want them to feel pain. We don't want them to get hurt. But sure. I, I think at a time like this, it's we should use uh, Remembrance Day as an opportunity to educate our kids that, you know, People yeah. have suffered, and people suffered for years. And not only soldiers on the front lines, but I'm talking about civilians whose lives were turned upside down. And civilian casualties are often, you know, it's it's very unfortunate because they mm -hmm. are the ones who suffer the most. Um, so, yeah, so just remembering not only the soldiers who fought, but also the civilians who had to endure the war alongside. For sure. Um, thanks, Victor, for that. And I think that's, um, like you said, um, I'm sure your son one day will appreciate that parenting moment uh, if he when he when he you know looks back on it and if he has kids um, himself. I think that's um, very uh, very thoughtful, and very nice uh, to say. Um, uh, to wrap up our interview, Victor, we just um, we just wanted to know if you had any messages that you wanted to impart on our on our audience and our colleagues um, to to finish off the interview. So this is like Victor's words of wisdom? This is Victor's words of wisdom. That's right. Yeah. Wow. What would I say? I don't even know. Um, 
I think, like I said, if I were to go back in time, like for our, let's say, let's say for our colleagues, I'll just, I'll just uh, limit it to our colleagues, mm -hmm. is whatever opportunity you have to get to know each other, do it. I think um, one of the things I took for granted was I said, okay, I have four years to know, say, you, Chen, and Aaron. Um, and you know what? If, uh, if this opportunity to get to know them better, you know, I can't attend it well, there will be a next. Well, there might not be a next. And as you can see, you know, all the opportunities that we could have had for lunch, uh, working mm -hmm. together, uh, it, it's kind of gone. So I guess uh, what I'm trying to say is seize the moment. Or I okay. guess not, yeah. it's a carpe diem, right? Seize the moment. If yeah, you have the right. opportunity to get to know someone better, just do it. Do it now. Don't wait. Um, I love it. I think uh, <laughs> it's... it's, it's, uh, it's like I said, if I were, if I, if there was one highlight in medical school, is the standing in front and just looking at everyone in our class saying, "Hey, you know, I, I see, you know, it could be, um, you know, uh, Grant Hayward in one corner and you know, Torres Cantor <laughs> in another." But you know, just seeing our classmates and get to know them better because you know, I think graduating uh, together as MD twenty twenty three, it's something. I think it's very special. For sure, yeah. only only you know, we can say that that's, that's us, right? And mm -hmm. we'll see, we'll see each other through, uh, our school and even residency and perhaps even life. Like, you know, it could be, if you decide to go into cardiology, you could be my cardiologist, right? You Chen or Aaron, you might be my <laughs> nephrologist. So I think we're all intertwined. And so if I were to say something, it'd be take the opportunity to get to know each other better, uh, because we're in it forever. <laughs> I think that's a great piece of advice. And I know uh, Victor and I were very much looking forward to, to a little duet on, on music. And uh, yes. and I guess that uh, will have to wait. But uh, I'm not saying it's not going to happen yet. <laughs> wow. Hey, Victor, that's That's exactly what I'm talking about. Like We, we made the assumption that, yeah, we'll play that Chartist. But uh, no, unfortunately, we didn't get a chance to. That's right. Uh, with, you know what? There were, probably were ample of other opportunities we could have but mm -hmm. we either didn't take because we're busy or we didn't feel uh, it necessary but you know i i would trade a lot just to go back and hear you play and me too for sure yeah minutes, so. yeah it's not too late you guys can do it over the internet <laughs> <laughs> you know you know they, they do a lot of things uh, virtually now even my uh kids piano competitions are uh, yeah virtual right. wow. but uh, there's something about a live performance that you know oh it's, yeah it's, for sure it's That's very true. different so anyway. wait victor what what instrument do you play sorry uh, i play the piano oh wow that's awesome oh thank we you. got we gotta get this to, we gotta get this done maybe maybe we can uh maybe uh, as a sequelae from this interview you chen and i can uh perform <laughs> the, i'm uh, waiting piano and duet <laughs> Duo, sorry. We'll put it on for the group, for our classmates, the MD2023. <laughs> That's right. That's it. So, Victor, we just wanted to um, give you a big thanks from all of us at On Call Thoughts. Um, so that's, uh, that's me and Aaron and uh, Zina and Sharif. And um, we wanted to thank you for interviewing with us and giving us such great insight on on life and uh, what medical is medical school is like um, going through as a parent and... Um, uh, working as physiotherapist and in the military um, um, throughout uh, as well. And um, we, uh, we appreciate your time from all of us. Yep. No, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to speak to you. Um, 
And again, just mirroring Yu Chen's words, thank you. Thank you again so much for taking the time out for us. And, you know, we really appreciate everything you do, Victor, not only for our class as moderator, but as a friend and a colleague. And thank you again, uh, you know, for your service as well. Thank you. You're very welcome. In today's episode, we were humbled to talk with our wonderful classmate, Victor Pack. Victor spoke to us about resilience, his journey through medicine and through the Canadian Armed Forces and Remembrance Day. We are very grateful that we had the opportunity to talk with Victor today. We would also like to thank all of our colleagues that served in the military, as well as all Canadian men and women who fought for our freedoms. Thank you so much for your service and your sacrifice. Before we end this episode, we would like to take a moment of silence. Bye.